everybody. You, hi. <laughs> you are listening to Talk Crooked, the social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject while enjoying adult beverages. My name is Kay. I'm Carrie. And I actually have a shot today, so I'll take one with Yay! you. Yay! It's hot <laughs> as fuck here, and I'm hot anyway, so I was like, might as well just go ahead and do the shot. So Just take the edge <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> just might as well. Uh. Okay, so <laughs> one, two, three, go. Mm. I had a big sip of coffee with you. Mm. That was kind of warm. Uh, Ew. It's fine. Well, we talked for too long, of course. I didn't yeah. know you had a shot until we'd already been talking for 25 minutes. So. No, it's okay. <laughs> I've got a nice Cayman Jack to wash it down. Ooh. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> I wish I, I can't even have a, I can't even have a, a fake one. I'm so upset. I know. I'm sorry. It's not too much longer. I know. So everyone's like, ooh, but there's mocktails, and it's like, but now I can't even have those. <laughs> I can only have, like, orange juice. That's, oh. like, the only remotely sugary thing I can drink. The other day I diluted some lemonade because I just needed something else to drink besides water and milk. Not together, by the way. I don't mix water and milk. That would be disgusting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gross. <laughs> there are people that put ice in their milk ice? And I'm just that's like, what i was just thinking and i was like i don't understand that <laughs> i don't either i'm like it's already if it's not cold you don't need to be drinking that well, <laughs> so i understand wanting it to be really really cold what i don't understand is that water leaks into it though like if you have the fake ice cubes mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying that are like yeah. plastic or whatever mm -hmm. go for it have at it yeah that's not gonna dilute shit but Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not really that much different than an iced coffee, but still. But it's different. But it's totally different. <laughs> it is not at all the same. <laughs> There's a lot at play in that drink. Mm -hmm. That's like comparing that to a milkshake. That It's different. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, we have very strong opinions on stuff that doesn't fucking mm -hmm. matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's very controversial. Yeah. A very controversial podcast. Oh, it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Okay. So, you want to know something weird that's been bringing me joy? Yeah. This is so weird. I... <laughs> We listen so, to murder to podcasts for fun. So, I well, mean, are but, they really going to be shocked? <laughs> yeah, probably. So, I've been taking quiet showers. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, usually, I, I mean, I usually have, like, a podcast playing or a book. Mm -hmm. Or I even have, like, a pop socket mount in my shower way up high out of yeah. the water, obviously. Like, on the opposite wall. Yeah. So I can, like, watch The Office or something like that while I take a shower. Mm -hmm. But lately, I've been taking quiet showers. And it's been really lovely, actually. <laughs> that's what I do pretty much all the time. Like, it's well, rare yeah, that I'll Well, yeah, that's why I thought everybody on. would be... That's why I was like, <laughs> everyone's going to think this is weird. 
Because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> no, you're not a weirdo. I but, I like having stuff on sometimes, but other times I just need to be in the water. Yeah, see, that's what I'm starting to come back to. T- I'm coming back to that because it's like you get in and out a lot faster, too, when you're not distracted. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's been really nice and like thought clearing. Yeah. <laughs> It does that. You're like, yeah, Carrie, that's what you're supposed to do in the shower. (laughs) That's why I'm supposed to shower after I do energy work, because it, it, like, cleanses you, and it also cleanses your aura. Oh, well, I was just thinking of, like, it's, it's like, it's almost like meditating, though, for me, because, like, I just can't sit still and meditate. Yeah. So... It's kind of like mind clearing and you breathe the steam and yeah. It's like way more refreshing. I've kind of forgotten cuz I've been so into just binging through stuff constantly that I just sometimes sometimes you need quiet. So yeah. I've di- I've rediscovered the power of quiet. <laughs> That's Isn't what I'll nice? call it. <laughs> I've I've rediscovered the power of quiet. I'll be super douchey about it. Um. (laughs) well that's that's part of why it's so hard for me to like watch things when I get home because when I was working at family video we had to have movies playing all the time Mm -hmm. and it honestly just drove me nuts like it it became background noise but also like sometimes when I'm working it just needs to be quiet yeah and I agree. It became a crutch for me. I kind of had the opposite, mm-hmm. the opposite reaction, where now I I need to have constant background noise, or I feel it makes me feel anxious. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll feel a little anxious, but sometimes I just need it because my oh, I mean yeah. my mind goes literally a million miles a minute. So if it's quiet, I can make it stop. And oh, I'm like, totally the opposite. <laughs> I'm totally the opposite. And like, if I'm listening to something, I have to, to have something distracting me so that I can focus. It's weird, but I am also ADHD, so mm-hmm. we have different brains. Yeah. My my brain, my brain is works just, very differently. My brain is just constantly making dialogue, which not to toot my own horn, but like that's why I'm so good at dialogue because it has always done that literally like since i've been young i i have always had conversations going in my head which sounds a little weird but i'm an english major so um Um, (laughs) but now i'm scared (laughs) what are the voices telling you Kay? (laughs) they tell me nice things (laughs) okay (laughs) it's not it's just they start telling you to kill people go get help i will (laughs) I've been That's evaluated. Not the voice of God or whatever. <laughs> okay. My mother had me tested. I, I oh, she goodness. did. She she legit she did. That's was, so funny. When oh I was like God. nine, she had to take me <laughs> into where she worked, and she's like, "Hey, can you like make sure my daughter's okay?" Because I don't huh? know if she can tell the difference between fantasy and reality. And that was the that was oh. the only issue she had with me for a very long time. But I'm fine I now. I had that issue, too. <laughs> yeah, I had that issue, too. We just have very active imaginations. Mm-hmm. So. 
And I just leaned into it a little more than everybody else did. (laughs) You just liked being in it. Yeah. That's funny. I don't mind it so much because it's just, it's chatter that's happened all the time. So I don't, and I get good ideas from it. So. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Today on new things we've learned about the podcast I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. All right. Well, um, <laughs> you, you shouldn't be. You've been friends with I me know. for like three years, and I haven't killed you yet. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Oh my god, I've slept at your house so many times. If I wanted to kill you, I would have. <laughs> I'm not gonna that's kill terrifying. you. I promise. <laughs> Oh, that's terrifying. (laughs) Sorry. Lord in heaven. (laughs) All right. Well, this week, (laughs) speaking of, (laughs) uh, this week we are talking about sociopaths versus psychopaths. Did you not want to say that with me? Well, (laughs) here's what had happened. Um, What? I I didn't know if I wanted to say sociopathy versus psychopathy or sociopaths versus psychopaths, so I just... Oh, so you just sat there in <laughs> silence and second-guessed yourself while I said it by myself without <laughs> discussing it with me? That's cool. You just abandoned me in you front have of ab- everyone. <laughs> you have abandoned me everyone. in front of everyone, too. <laughs> what? It was the one time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, well, let's try that again. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> we are talking God. about <laughs> this week. We are talking about sociopaths versus, versus psychopaths. psychopaths. A bum bum bum. <laughs> this is a fun topic. Yeah, I'm extremely excited. You're going I'm to be excited. excited. I'm excited. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, again mostly psychology here um i didn't want to go into too much history definitely wanted to stick with modern stuff because this is oh this is a pretty wishy-washy distinction and i actually don't i have found that they actually don't really split them up that much anymore so yeah um, i I'm going to be real with you. I did some research. Like, I did some background research just to yeah. make sure the case I was picking worked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a really great source from verywellmind.com that kind of helped me tell the difference. But I also read a lot where it's just, it's all considered anti- or It's all considered the same thing Antisocial now, yeah. personality disorder. There are just Yeah, it's all antisocial personality disorder. So yeah. um, the, the distinction, though, that used to be made was that sociopaths were more in control and more organized, and psychopaths were a little more like, blah! <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, and sociopaths ne- weren't necessarily murderers. I know that whenever we think about sociopaths and psychopaths, we usually think of like, oh, this, these are people that murder. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. Sociopaths actually and psychopaths actually thrive in corporate America. Oh, yes. Uh, which is terrifying. And um, if you want a really good example of a sociopath who does not murder, watch Jessica Jones. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great portrayal that, um, oh, what's her name from The Matrix? We have the same name, but I can't remember her last name. Hang on. Carrie Ann... 
Moss, I want to say, but I don't think that's right. Hang on. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I was thinking she even about. spells it the same way as me. Yes, Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, so, okay. um, look at me. I was <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, Carrie Ann Moss plays a, um, plays a lawyer that's very much a sociopath. Mm-hmm. But you can tell how it helps her in her position because she can be cold and turn the people away that she does, that won't make her money and shit like that. And yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it fully makes sense. And then she manipulates people. So, um, in corporate I mean, America, death- it's almost, it's now that I've been in it for a little while and like my mom has worked in it for a while, you almost have to be able to like be this cool to function well in it, you know? Yes. And there's also, um, you could also attribute some of it to workaholicism, Mm -hmm. which is the only form of addiction that we seem to glorify in this country, and it's very unhealthy. And then when you mix the two, you you get quite quite a cocktail. I swear Um, to God, it's in every (laughs) Hallmark Christmas movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I work for one. I work for one. So it's, it's, it's definitely... Though at the same time, I feel like he's also not a sociopath because he is really sensitive <laughs> at the same time. So it's like, I don't know. It's well, it's a confusing place. So anyway, um, so sociopaths. So let's talk. Let's talk about what a sociopath is. So um, most people are probably pretty familiar with it, but just to be safe, um, a sociopath is a term used to describe someone who is anti who has antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So that's what we call it now. Um, people with ASPD can't understand others' feelings. Yeah. They'll often, they'll often break rules or make impulsive decisions without feeling guilty for the harm they cause. So it's really, this is one of those things where, like, I read symptoms sometimes and I'm like, you know, I do that. And then it's like, but no, I feel guilty all the time. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's like, no, I'm good. I'm safe. (laughs) Gladly, I can't remember what comedian i was listening to where she was like do you think i have this and then her her doctor was like no honey a sociopath wouldn't ask me if they were a sociopath (laughs) (laughs) a narcissist wouldn't ask me (laughs) this is one thing i'm glad i can like cross off my list because i know that i actually care about other people and care about their feelings Mm -hmm. which is why i can't tell people to fuck off yeah, when we're I both need really to. empathic. Yeah. And I can form genuine emotional attachments where this list yes. says that they can't. So, yes. like, I, I find comfort um, in that. <laughs> I think another... Now, I haven't watched all of Dexter, but I do know that he... I, I believe he suffers from this. I can't speak to how accurate his portrayal is, but from the uh, the couple of episodes that I watched, it seemed like he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where um, he, he portrays really... He does a really... He's a great actor, by the way, mm-hmm. but he does a really great job of portraying, like, learned behavior. Mm-hmm. So, like, sociopaths are really good at, like, analyzing... Um, analyzing their surroundings and the reactions of other people because they tend to be highly intelligent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can say, oh, so when I'm at a funeral, I should cry. Yeah. And, oh, that's funny. I should laugh. And, like, it's it's all kind of, like, learned behaviors, and you can see it kind of flip through. Flip. You, you can kind of see him. Per, I don't know. It, it's so subtle and... and just really well done. You can see a, you can see him process and then react. 
I think he would be considered more a psychopath because he does right. he does love but again, people in his own way. The same thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. But does he? That's the question. Or is it just a learned behavior? You see? Yeah. You see? Mm. I need to watch that show. Well, if you Isn't there like, like eight seasons or some shit though. Yeah, my my mom's Ugh. watched it like four times, so I've seen a lot of it. Um, and like my he does watched all of it. Yeah. He does have a wife and children oh, that he does love, and like does his, he though? Uh, he does. That's you you'll, see. What you'll I, see does why. He though you'll see. I mean, you'll see why sure. I say that. Like he or is it just protect? Is it is it another? Is it in his world? It might be love, but in like the world of someone else, it might just be protectiveness or something. Like I don't know. I haven't watched it again. He but, almost turns um, into a bit of a vigil. He is a vigilante. He is he a turns vigilante. Into That's how he channels even, his impulses. Yeah, he turns even more into a vigilante. Like uh, I'm not going to spoil Spoiler it. Spoiler alert! Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, Jesus. Um. It's also been out forever. But, um. Hey, I have to save... Sh- hey, you know what? I've got a whole list of stuff that I'm going to binge while I'm on leave with this baby. I know. Being a f- being a human food truck. So <laughs> I've been trying really hard not to binge through too much stuff during quarantine. <laughs> oh, well, um, you also need to read those books I gave you. I'm so excited to hear your reaction to Beautiful Creatures because the book is so much different than the movie. Also, The Great Gatsby. Okay, well, we're off topic. So let's Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so people with a- ASPD... Um, okay, people with ASPD may also use mind games to control friends, family members, coworkers, and even strangers. Um, they may also be perceived as charismatic or charming. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of shit that I don't, that, that makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's very important, it's, it's very important to learn as much as you can about these types of people so that you can spot the signs and not be taken in. Yeah. Um, cause that shit can get real dangerous. Not to, I mean, there are plenty of people who are in very much in control of their impulses and things, but this can turn very toxic. So, yeah. um. As far as being in relationships and friendships with people like this. Um, unless your name is Sherlock. But Yeah, I was just thinking agree. about him. <laughs> I'm a high-functioning sociopath. Do your um, research. Do your research. <laughs> um, so, oh man, I lost my train of thought there. But I think we could all kind of agree <laughs> that he and Watson don't have the healthiest friendship. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, they do not. <laughs> no, um, but it is hilarious. So, um, and it works. So, whatever. Um, so let's talk about how someone is diagnosed. So, uh, ASPD is part of a category of personality disorders, and we've talked about personality dis- disorders before. Th- these are the high up. These are the top shelf mm-hmm. mental health mental health problems. This is the. Uh, the 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 thousand dollar vodka (laughs) gray goose or whatever the fuck it is this is patron um i think the only thing higher up would be schizophrenia um so aspd is part of a category of personality disorders characterized by persistent negative behaviors um 
so the new the new edition of the DSM, which we've also mentioned before, it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Dis- Disorders, which is what psychiatrists and psychologists use to diagnose mm-hmm. people. Uh, the newest version, it's always constantly being updated, which is great, um, says that someone with ASPD consistently shows a lack of regard for others' feelings or violations of people's rights. Does it sound like our president? <laughs> yeah. Like a little bit? hmm <laughs> Oh, Lord. Uh, people, or the people who were in wa- line in Walmart behind you today? Um, oh. So, uh, people... <laughs> Yeah, we won't bring that up again. Um, so people with <laughs> ASPD may not realize that these that they have these behaviors. They may live their entire lives without a diagnosis because this is one of those like narcissism where um, you're unaware. You're, yeah, you, you're so kind of caught up in your own shit that you don't think anything's wrong with you. So a lot of times, people with these kind of impulses don't get help unless mm-hmm. they behave violently. Um, or, you know, if maybe they've been through something and they end up in therapy at a young age and then the, the, the psychiatrist picks up on it, you know, I mean, it's like a lot of, it's pretty rare. So, um, kind of have to be in the perfect situation to even get blipped on the radar, I feel like. So, um, so to receive a diagnosis of ASPD, someone must be older than 18. Uh, their behaviors must show a pattern of at least three of the following seven traits. All right. Okay. Ooh, ouch, my fucking back. Okay. Uh, number one, doesn't respect social norms or laws. So they break, they consistently break laws or overstep social boundaries. Mm-hmm. Lies, deceives others, uses false identities or nicknames, and uses others for personal gain. So this would be like the dude who like has a secret second family, yep. kind of thing, um, or is a con man, or you know, like you open the sock drawer and there's like seven different passports. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> those are just the fun ones I can think of. Um, <laughs> ouch. Uh, doesn't make any long term plan. I would. F- I feel like Joe Exotic falls under that one. Because of all the shit he was doing with his parents' money. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't make any long-term plans. They also often behave without thinking of consequences. So we're not thinking ahead. Yeah. Much. Um, shows aggressive or aggravated behavior. So they cons- consistently get into fights or physically harm others. Um, doesn't consider their own safety or the safety of others. Not great. Uh, kind of like when the fish sent Nemo up into the the, the fish tank filter. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just watched Finding Nemo the other morning, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we watched it for Father's Day. Aww. Um, doesn't follow up on personal or professional responses. That, I will say, <laughs> that movie holds a lot more weight when you're about to have a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, doesn't follow up on personal or professional responsibilities. So this can include repeatedly being late to work or not paying bills on time. I do that, but for other reasons. Um, (laughs) it's because I have ADHD and I forget. Um, and then number seven, doesn't feel guilt or remorse for having harmed or mistreated others. So, um, and then other possibilities, possible symptoms. So those are the big seven 
Mm-hmm. But then there's others, of course. So that's like being cold, not showing emotions, using humor, intelligence, or charisma to manipulate others, uh, having a sense of superiority and strong unwavering opinions i feel like everyone in politics falls into this category uh not learning except for andy because he's an amazing person yeah um not fall not learning from their mistakes huh not being able to keep positive friendships and relationships Hmm. i mean the orange julius that we have in power (laughs) right now a thousand percent is ticking all these boxes um attempting to control others by intimidating or threatening them. Takes Weird. That one too. Uh, t- tear gas much? Um, <laughs> getting into frequent legal trouble or performing criminal acts. Um, have you sued? How many times have you been sued or declared bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. Um, taking risks at the expense of themselves or others. Yes. Threatening. Okay, I don't know about this one, but threatening suicide without ever acting on those threats. Um. Yikes. And then becoming addicted to drugs, alcohol, and other substances, which everyone with mental health issues is far more susceptible to addiction yeah, um, than other people. Because self-medicating, that's a thing. Um, and then there's another thing, uh, evaluating the person's thought. So, uh, oh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, other ways to diagnose ASPD could include evaluating the person's feelings, thoughts, behavioral patterns, and personal relationships. So this is like where someone observes you. Mm-hmm. And how you interact with the world. Um, talking to people clo- close to the person about their behaviors, um, which is huge because people with ASPD are very manipulati- manipulative and charismatic. And um, therefore, they're good actors. Yep. This sounds like uh, your grandma mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> evaluating a person's medical history for other conditions. So you got to make sure that it's not from something else. So... Um, and the but signs of someone as young as fifteen years old, of course, would be like stealing, needlessly destroying things, breaking the rules without regard for the consequences, lying, and being aggressive towards others or animals. That's the big uh, that's the big ticker Ugh. there. That's why it that's why it's a felony. Yeah, I will say high five to the president for that one. That's like the one good thing. Yeah, <laughs> one <laughs> of the good things that he's done. Um, high fives for making animal ab- animal cruelty a felony because that's huge. That's going to flag a lot more of this behavior. Oh, yeah. So, um, so let's talk about the difference between sociopath and psychopath. So there's no clinical difference between, a, <laughs> between those two. Um, both of them refer to people with ASPD, and they're often used interchangeably because it kind of sometimes... I don't know. I feel like sometimes, especially, you know, when we talk about, like, Ted Bundy and people like that, you, they display patterns of both. So, yeah. um, some some have attempted to distinguish the two by the severity of their symptoms. So, a sociopath may be somebody who only makes minor transgressions that don't cause serious harm or distress. So, they're just, like, in the background puppeteering and doing their thing, but it's not really harming anybody. Um... But a psychopath may be described as someone who's physically violent or put others in danger. Um, however, when one considers the DSM-5 diagnostic cu- criteria, all of these symptoms can be found in the ASPD category. So we just call it we just call it that now, which yeah. is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Why split hairs? Honestly. Yeah. Um. So, 
this is important. Um, so just before anybody jumps to conclusions about a friend or, you know, anything like that, um, exhibiting frequently selfish behavior is in and of itself not sufficient to diagnose someone as a sociopath. Yeah. Um, an ASPT diagnosis is only given when symptoms happen for an extended period and don't change because of punishment or lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. So someone who's selfish may show these behaviors for a short while, but then feel bad about them or change their behavior over time because of punishment and just personal growth. Yeah. So. People can be a little selfish sometimes. It's Yeah. Sometimes people are dicks. It's learned. Uh, the only, so the, <laughs> the biggest thing with this one is that there is no medication that can help it. Of course. At all. None. Um. The only thing, the only way to treat it is psychotherapy and cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, the the thing is that it sometimes holds hands with other mental disorders like anxiety and depression. They tend to run in the same league as a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- you can kind of treat those to to help, but it's there's not it's it's not really there's still not anything that that directly treats that and i think it's because they just don't fully understand what goes on in the brain yeah um when it comes to this yet they, they're they not entirely sure what the chemical imbalance is or if it's a it's just pure i mean if it's just the way your gray matter is that's that's not really something that you can medicate so um that that can be where if like let's take voldemort for example um and if you don't know who Voldemort is, fucking go open a book. So um, we've <laughs> learned, we, we learned in the sixth book that he was institutionalized at a young age. And so J.K. Rowling has, has spoken about this a lot where she did that on purpose because she's done all this research where actually like the patterns where you identify affection and love and things like that don't, aren't formed when you're institutionalized at that age, when you're, when you're not shown one-on-one affection yeah. And love those 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 furrows, the pathways in your brain don't get formed. And so that's one where that's why we have and so that's why he's so cold and so so socio psychopathic. He does not understand love in any way shape or form and it has no regard for the he is classic this. Yeah. <laughs> he is a classic <laughs> example of this. And so that's what I'm saying like if it's in the brain matter we can't exactly just throw a pill on it and throw off any kind of chemical because that means that you're going to have to work on it and reroute pathways in your brain, which is can only be achieved through cognitive behavioral therapy and, and psychotherapy. Well, as far as we know, I mean, like... that's it's, uh, Well, that's with the information I have. I mean, yeah. we can update if they find another... I mean, if it comes from a lobotomy you're shocking you then sure i'll update accordingly but as far as we know the only ways to reroute pathways is through behavior yeah and and re which is hard i mean as someone who's been through trauma i'm sure you know you have to mm-hmm. reroute and reassociate a lot of things so and and it's hard it so, really is um I- and the biggest issue is that you have to want to and most yeah. of the time these people don't want to <laughs> yeah I think I've spoken a little bit on the podcast about uh, this thing that I'm doing. Uh, I'm participating in a research study about, like, mental health and um, just being aware of your own body and body sensations and stuff. And that has really helped me reroute a lot of 
pathways, I think. Because That's amazing. It's, yeah, because it's making me think, okay, what is the actual emotion that you are feeling? What are the words? Because there could be a bunch of them. Really mm-hmm. think about it. And, like, see how your body feels when you feel that emotion. And, like, it mm-hmm. it's really, like, this last session that I did was really focused on turning that. Like, thinking about a positive memory and making yourself get out of that, like, that sounds of really similar to the tools that I got that I that I learned when I was in therapy for um, just plain old anxiety too. Like just learning mm-hmm. how to like stop. Okay, why am I feeling this? What exactly am I feeling? Am I really angry, or am yeah. I hurt, or am I irritated, or you? Know, and why? Why am yeah. I feeling that way? Okay, so is it gonna be productive for me to fly off the handle because he's once again left a sink full of dishes? Yeah. Or <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Could there be a thousand other reasons why, you know, just stopping and taking stock of that. And that's why sometimes Josh and I get into some arguments is because for him, for some reason, there's only like happy and pissed off. (laughs) Those are like the only two emotions that exist in his mind when he communicates. And I'm like, there's no way that you're pissed off at this. Like, yeah, there's other words. What are you talking about? (laughs) And he's like, well, you sound like you're pissed. I'm like, I'm not pissed. I'm vaguely irritated. (laughs) (laughs) it's a very quick passing emotion i'm vaguely irritated because plans changed and i wasn't informed (laughs) yes (sighs) i'm frustrated oh that was a big one i'm frustrated because you seem to wait until it's literally time to go before you start cleaning out the car and packing it we needed to leave at three not start cleaning out the car at three (laughs) Oh, goodness. Anyway, okay. So, uh, the out- what's the outlook for someone with ASPD? Um, so, I had another article, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to use it. Um, okay. <laughs> this one's pretty good. So, um, so ASPD can't be cured. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those that you have to cope with. Um, but it, of course, can be treated with therapies that focus on limiting destructive behaviors by replacing them with constructive behaviors. So, it's kind of like replacing negative self-talk. So, you know, when you feel yourself talking to yourself negatively and then you give yourself five compliments or whatever to undo. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, you look in the look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my ass is flabby. And then you're like, but my eyebrows are on point and I have grape tits and, you know, my skin (laughs) is glowing. And (laughs) just you have to we all have to learn to reroute those kinds of things. But that's it's very similar. Um, If you have ASP. So this would be more of like. I have the impulse to throw this glass, but instead I'm going to put it, I'm going to clean the kitchen to channel my energy or or something like that. Um, Or I have the impulse to kick the, kick the dog is more like it with ASPD when I, or beat the shit out of somebody when I feel angry and instead I'm going to go take a walk. Yeah. Or go to the gym. Maybe we've got a punching bag in the basement or something. You know what I mean? Just to rechannel into something constructive. Yeah. Um, those are pretty feeble examples, but still. Uh, uh, um, they're examples. <laughs> so <laughs> they are. Like a point cross. If you have ASPD, remember that you can still have stable and loving relationships with others. Accepting that you have ASPD and acknowledging the consequences of your actions can help you manage your behaviors and keep your relationships strong. 
So, I think it's pretty succinct. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. So, short and sweet. Yeah. I just, I mean, I had another article to pull from. This is from Healthline, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like this summed it up better, and I would just be repeating myself if I got into the other one, so. Yeah, well, I've got I a pretty about hefty all we case, so that, okay. that works. Sweet. Yeah. Works out for the best. Yeah. I do have to right. pee, though, so let's go ahead Me and take too. a quick break. Sounds great. and we're back hi everybody all right (laughs) that was not a short break (laughs) that was a pretty long break it was but you guys Uh don't know any different (laughs) sorry i'm recovering because i just finished off my jalapeno chips from lunch that wasn't Mm. a great idea um yum though right Double fisting and ginger lime diet coke and my fucking margarita. Trying I to hate you so much. Get out. Get oh, out. it's great. <laughs> I can't eat any of that. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't have any of those things. We'll have them together once the baby's here. I promise. Oh my god! Just all the sugar, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the sugar and jalapeno potato chips and chardonnay. Hmm. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. All right. So, so I found an article for myself to kind of go on to make sure I was kind of making a distinction because I thought that's where we were going. But, um. What do you mean you thought that's where we were going? You just said you looked it up. I know. I know. I was just, I was you trying are wildly to. wildly unprepared for the last three episodes. Hey. <laughs> Every time you're like, I thought we were going in this direction. Listen. Sorry. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> Listen. It's been a weird time. I even all right. posted all my notes ahead of time. I know, I just, I was doing research and I was finding kind of conflicting things because I was still finding things that were, like, making distinctions. Older. Yeah. yeah. So. It's fairly um, recent that they've decided to, I like, I would even venture as to say in the last, like, two years that they've decided yeah. to just put them as the same thing instead of splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. But, um... I decided to cover someone who was widely considered to be a psychopath. And, um, I'm gonna close that list. Because it (laughs) means nothing now. (laughs) So, we're gonna talk about a cult. (gasps) Yay! Okay. Which one? I'll tell you in a minute. So this okay. <laughs> this first article uh, focuses on the cult leader, and this was posted on Aussie.com by Ray Kavanaugh. So this psychopath cult leader honed his craft in elementary school. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's w- disturbing. Yeah. This was published September 29th, 2016, and it's got a little, like, subheading uh, that says why you should care, because every monster had a childhood. 
True. That's why we study this shit. Mm-hmm. Don't paint your kid's bedroom yellow. Ooh, yeah. Did you know that one? Nope. You didn't? Yeah. Josh and I researched that for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. But, um, yeah, it turns out, like, I don't remember what the exact percentage was, but it's, like, the highest, like, a really high, like, 80 or 90% of all serial killers had yellow bedrooms as kids. Really? The color has a pretty profound impact on your psyche as a child. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. My mom bought, like, all yellow stuff. And my room was like yellow themed because they. You're didn't not want it. helping your case from earlier. <laughs> I know, but like they didn't want to like they didn't want to know my gender, and so like they bought me a lot of Winnie the Pooh stuff and like just Aww. a bunch of gender neutral. I stuff. thought about doing Pooh. Yeah. I one of my the teacher but that I didn't I want to get roped into a theme. I really yeah. have not chosen a theme. It's just kind of I guess it's woodland. Mm-hmm. But the teacher I that <laughs> I the teacher that I aided for when I was a senior in high school, they have a theme going with all their kids, and they've nicknamed their first daughter Pooh, and then their oh, second daughter Tigger, and then their newest son is um oh what is he? I'm it's gonna drive me Eeyore? nuts. Owl, Owl. Rue. He's Rue. He's Rue. Yeah, that's a little weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's really cute, though. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, it's one thing to theme a bedroom, but I don't know. I'm going to judge that and say that that's a little weird. But anyway, I didn't. I don't know. Everyone was like, well, what theme are you going to do? And I was like, can I just have like a cute nursery? <laughs> can I just like decorate it well? Why does it have to have a theme? <laughs> Uh, everybody wants a theme. Everybody wants a theme, and everyone wants to know with the gender, and I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. I refuse to play by your rules. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. goodness. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, so. Neighborhood kids stretched their necks as young Jimmy prepared birds and rats for burial. A lover of rituals, the youngster would theoretically Theatrically open trap doors to reveal the dead, light candles, stage altars, use oil and shrouds, and then lead his peers in funeral processions. That's fucking weird. Catastrophic flaws he had aplenty, but budding cult leader Jim Jones sure had the gift of gab. God damn it, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> you know which one I'm doing now? Yes, this is such an upsetting person. Mm-hmm. This is such a long and hefty thing. It <laughs> is. thread that you've decided to pull. <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, I had to come with something. <laughs> like, you yeah. hated my last two. Why That's so? not true. <laughs> I'm joking. That's I know you. That's not true at all. <laughs> Y'all, yesterday I told her that I was pulling from the Bible and she went, <sighs> and I was like, what the fuck? That's not why. <laughs> That's not why. I know. I know. I just have to give you shit. Um, it's because she's a bitch. I know. They listened. They know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that story. I know. <laughs> I know. 
That's why I tried to give you a better one. You've been begging for this one. So here we go. I haven't. Oh, but, but you sure. have. It, okay. Go back a few episodes. Okay. <laughs> just, I, it's just fact, the first cult too. that comes to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing it. I so. learned about a real crazy one today on my walk. I I heard about a really cool one from Lazy Masquerade that I'm going to look into. Because it still hasn't really been exposed yet, I should say. So, yeah. Anyway, so, even as a child in small town Indiana, he maintained an audience of schoolmates, sometimes as many as a dozen, with passionate services delivered inside a small barn behind his home. Dressed in a white sheet that doubled as a robe, he'd read from the Bible, give sermons, or conduct funeral ceremonies for deceased neighborhood animals. But when his parents purchased him a toy medical kit, he began experimenting on living animals, like we talked about. No! Conducting blood transfusions between different species. Oh my god. And once am- Yep. And once amputating a chicken's leg so he could attach it to a duck. Nope. Nope. Oh, I hate that. I hate all of that. Mm-hmm. That- oh, I'm gonna vomit. I really hate that. I yep. really hate Frankenstein complexes. It's the worst, actually. <laughs> it's part of why I stopped watching Gotham. Oh, yeah. And I need to go back and give it another chance. <laughs> but that fucking doll maker, dude, I can't do it. I can't handle it, and I'm upset. I haven't watched Gotham. I need to watch that. It's it's delightful, but ugh. <laughs> that part really upset me. Yep. I Ever don't s- like that guy, and that villain can just cease to exist. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the Jonestown Massacre of November 18th, 1978, Jones has been described countless times as both a psychopath and a narcissist. But as a kid, young Jimmy was just an engaging little character who kept his youthful congregants coming to his barn. He would provide a bowl of lemonade or a sweet punch-like drink, as told by mm. Tim Reertman's book Raven, The Untold Story of the Reverend Jim Jones and His People. Back then, Was it Kool-Aid? It was! Perchance! (laughs) Back then, Jones's punch was safe to drink. It was the early 1940s. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Mm -hmm. It's funny because it's true. (laughs) And later, it's not going to be safe to drink. Yeah. It was the early this 1940s. Is, in case anyone really young is what is listening. This is what we mean when we say you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You're going to find out what it means now. Yeah. It's my, very upsetting. My mom <laughs> said that on Facebook one time and someone jumped all over her and was like, "Well, that's what? racist." And all this other it's shit. It's not racist. <laughs> and my mom was like, "No, no." Like, you're one, you're white. Two, you came on here and made it racist. Three, this is the article. Read. Like, oh my god, what an idiot. I know. I I was this like, no. what the fuck? No. <laughs> uh, god. I white. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so done. Same. With my people. Ugh. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> God, before That's we get racist. in, no, it's not. <laughs> well, I know you're white. <laughs> yeah, well, I can tell that you're white. 
Oh, Lord. (laughs) It was the early 1940s, and it would be years before the host's personality fully blossomed, and decades before the ingredients to his punch took a deadlier turn. Born on May 13th, 1931. Poison? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I, I just don't know. The article's not I being love very the clear. Punch metaphor. I love it. <laughs> the punch took a different turn. Yes. <laughs> Born on May thirteenth, nineteen thirty-one, in Crete, Indiana, he grew up in an only child. He grew up an only child in the nearby Hoosier town of Lynn, in a house by the railroad tracks. His father, James, was sixteen years older than his mother, Lynetta, and their marriage was Whoa. far more different than far more distant than their age gap the father Whoa. was a yeah <laughs> the father this was is a, already a recipe <laughs> yeah this is the nature part his mother nature part yeah his mother is a character <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> the father was a world war one veteran whose lungs had been all but destroyed by mustard gas his ill health oh, no. yeah his ill health combined with the lack of formal education made it tough to find work The breadwinning mother worked in a factory and nursed grandiose dreams for her son, whom she warned to avoid being a nothing like his father, who was struggling to draw breaths in a nearby room, which is fucked up. He's not a nothing. He's a... It's not his fault. No. (laughs) Lynetta... Easy lady. Yeah, I know. Lynetta. Oh, yeah, I bet it is. (laughs) She sounds like a Lynetta. Yeah. Though awesome. I mean, this is also like a perfect example of being really progressive because she was the breadwinner, but still also yep. not great. You can be <laughs> a badass lady a and not <laughs> be an asshole. True. Uh, Lynetta doesn't. He didn't go out and say, give me that mustard gas. I don't want to work. Like, yeah. that's no one does that. <laughs> Lynetta didn't hesitate to express her opinions and was a scandalous figure about town who drank, smoked, cursed, and was a vocal member of the local union, as described by Julia Shears in her book A Thousand Lives, The Untold Story of Hope, Deception, and Survival at Jonestown. Another difference between the Joneses and their religiously conservative neighbors was that the family didn't belong to a church. Feeling like an outsider mm-hmm. early on, Jim would forever identify Heaven. with... For fucking bid. Yep. <laughs> Feeling like Can't an outsider. We'll just like leave people alone and let people live their fucking lives. Could we oh. just like do that? No, One it time? was just once. Can <laughs> no, we just it was once the 1930s cool? and 40s. We especially Gosh. couldn't do it then. Um, Mind your own goddamn business. Right. Um. Again, sick of <laughs> sick of my people. <laughs> So, feeling like an outsider early on, Jim would forever identify with marginalized people, be they blacks in an institutionally segregated society, or the train-riding white transients to whom he continually gave sacks of food. Spiritually intense but restless, he sampled every type of church in the area before discovering the Gospel Tabernacle, a Pentecostal Ooh. church at the edge of town where people... I like that, though. Mm-hmm. Spiritually intense. Yeah. <laughs> A Pentecostal. I heard that term before. <laughs> I haven't either. I liked it. Um, I feel like we should put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> yes. Spiritually intense. 
I'm a toe dipper. (laughs) (laughs) A Pentecost. So he discovered the gospel tabernacle, a Pentecostal church at the edge of town where people spoke in tongues and root to religious ecstasies. Oh. Yeah. Pentecostal churches are a wild place. I have. Some of them are. Yeah. Um, But not great. (laughs) for someone who has the tendencies that this kid clearly has. Mm-hmm. A woman of influence. Which, that- so, like, it's this is just the perfect way for him to go around and, like, just absorb mm-hmm. how to, like, manipulate people and what scares people and what, you know what I mean? Yep. Oh, well, just wait. How far you can push people, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not shitting on churches, by the way, but in the, in the mind of someone who's clearly very detached. Mm-hmm. Whew. And, you know, clearly very dark and twisty. Yeah. <laughs> so a woman of influence at the church noticed Jones's oratorical talent and began cultivating him as a child evangelist. When Lynetta, oh, no. who had little use for a sky god, heard about her son becoming a rising star at the historical histrionic gospel tabernacle she put an end to his attendance there oh mom's not happy nope (laughs) Um, i don't blame her i don't blame her either this lady is just like let's make you (laughs) as a teen jimmy's barn preaching drew fewer and fewer faithful seen less as a leader and more as an oddball his flock of congregants gradually deserted him such loss was a personal injury that, when threatening to repeat itself years later in the form of his People's Temple members leaving, would make him act out with extreme hostility. Huh. Jo- <laughs> Jones with is- murder? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jones's father died in 1951, and his mother followed Jim Aww. in 1977 to his isolated utopian community of Jonestown in Guiana, South America, where she died that oh, December. Oh, I did not know that. I, I did didn't not either. Know that his mom was like in it. I didn't either. But she That's died. That's a little weird. Mm-hmm. She died that December huh. of natural causes. Reverend Jones, sure. she was. <laughs> I don't think it was. Na- there's anything natural about the way she died, <laughs> considering the way those poor people were living. Yeah. Uh, Reverend Jones, as he was then known, had become the founder and head of the People's Temple, a group of more than 900 congregants who believed in racial integration and a communist community. Unlike the young neighbors, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about cults: is they reel you in with something that's really great. Yeah. It um, sounds lovely. It does, but there and are ways then, to do it that aren't this. Well, it usually <laughs> it usually it starts as something innocent enough like that that sounds lovely, and then eventually the cr- the leader gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Mm-hmm. And people fall off the wagon and leave here and there, but you're 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 left with a set of constituents that that stick around no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Um, so unlike the young neighbors who had grown tired of jimmy's funerals 918 faithful stuck with jones as he instructed them to commit revolutionary suicide by drinking poison punch Mm -hmm. on that fateful fall day why would we call it punch it was (laughs) (laughs) kool-aid it it wasn't exactly kool-aid it was off-brand kool-aid 
but okay sure punch metaphor (laughs) (laughs) um so what the fuck happened at that actual center uh and that's that's what i Mm. like i wanted to get into a little bit of his background um but i also wanted to know what the fuck was going on so um strap in yeah (laughs) so i don't listen to there there have been a couple of different podcast episodes that i've listened to on this and i mm -hmm. i can't seem to go back and revisit them because it's just so fucking intense oh yeah um so this is from the guardian uh by j oliver conroy it was posted um november 17th 2018 so fairly recent sorry got the hiccups this um, is history, though, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, an apocalyptic... We don't need it to be this year. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but there are some references in here that are to that year, oh. because it was exactly, like, 40 years later. Oh, I gotcha. Um, it's an anniversary piece. Yeah. So, an apocalyptic cult, 900 dead, remembering the Jonestown Massacre 40 years on. <sighs> Four decades... People. Yeah. Four decades ago this Sunday, the Reverend Jim Jones, the charismatic leader of an American cult in the Guianese jungle, ordered his followers to murder a U.S. congressman and several journalists, then commit mass suicide by drinking cyanide-laced fruit punch. Um, <laughs> and I will just say... Well, we know the flavor now. It was fruit punch Kool-Aid. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I want to... the party. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was fucked up. Um, I want to just jump in here from another article from The Guardian um, from these two ladies who wrote books on the Jim Jones cult and another cult that looks really interesting. Um, Writer Laura Elizabeth Woolett, I think her name is, uh, tells the author of The Family why she was drawn to the story of Carolyn Layton. Carolyn Layton was one of... um, Jim Jones's many lovers, and <laughs> this this author was able to find her notebook. Um, you know you're in a cult when your leader has many lovers. Yeah, that's a big red flag. <laughs> Call your dad. Oh my god. Uh, so it was a little black book that she had. Um, most of it was not useful except for one scribble, which said, "Father." I don't mind dying today, but if we have decided not to, we better leave for work pretty soon. Father was what followers yeah, Father was what followers called Jones. He told them he was a reincarnation of Buddha, Jesus, Lenin, and Gandhi. He offered a sort of evangelical isolationist socialism. He was an aggressively bisexual drug user, liar, and narcissistic psychopath. The scribble in the notebook revealed to Willett plenty about how his lover felt about him. And wow. Yeah. So the Jonestown massacre was before 9/11, the largest single incident of intentional civilian death in American history. More than 900 people died, many children. It was also a devastating cultural trauma, the end of the last strains oh, yeah, of a certain yep. Yeah, the end of the last strains of a certain kind of 1960s idealism and 1970s radicalism. 
Jonestown. Yeah, the uh, the the coat that I learned about today happened at the same time and actually was investigated because Jonestown happened and people were like, "Whoa, wait a second. Yeah, this looks weirdly similar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern." <laughs> um, and Jonestown's legacy lives on in the ironic phrase, "Drink the Kool Aid." In actuality, it was flavor aid. <laughs> Although, oh, yeah, which still exists, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Although, it's still fucking Kool Aid. It's made in the same yeah. plant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cheaper brand. <laughs> Although he would later become a symbol of the darker side of the West Coast counterculture, Jim Jones was born to a poor family in Indiana. Described as an intelligent and strange child, Jones was instinctively attracted to religion, especially charismatic Christian traditions like Pentecostalism. Um, the most intense of the Protestant brands. Yes. He cut his Man. teeth as a street preacher and was, unusually for the time and place, a passionate advocate for racial equality. Jones's idiosyncratic blend of evangelical Christianity, New Age spirituality, and radical social justice attracted an enthusiastic following. He called his... I um, mean, it would. That would have yeah. gotten me. Yeah, it would have gotten me too. Um, he called his church the People's Temple. Although Jones's followers would later be stereotyped as sinister, brainwashed idiots, the journalist Tim Reiterman argues in his seminal book on the subject that many were decent, hardworking, socially conscious people, some highly educated, who wanted to help their fellow yeah. man and serve God, not embrace the self-proclaimed deity on earth. Yeah, we've already done, you should, you guys, if you've, if you questions on any of that, we we did a great episode on cults. Mm -hmm. Literally anyone can get sucked into this. Yeah. It's not just people who are stupid. It, it sounds stupid. Like when you read about all the stuff that it, it escalates to, just know that it's always a slow boil. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about cults. Like I said, is that it, it, they reel you in with something beautiful, like radical, you know, radical desegregation and beautiful spirituality and all of this stuff sounds great. Mm -hmm. They reel you in with that and then they slowly turn up the temperature on the pot and yeah. then all of a sudden you've signed over all your money to them. You're not allowed to have sex and you've shaved your head and you're wearing a monk costume or some shit. Like, you know, yeah. like it's just, you don't notice until, and I mean, not always. A lot of times people will see the red flags and they leave. That happens. Mm -hmm. But we only hear about the people that stay. Yeah. Um, the People's Temple advocated socialism and communitarian living and was racially integrated to an exceptional standard rarely matched since. In 1965, when Jones was in his mid-30s, he ordered the People's Temple moved to California. He drifted away from traditional Christian teachings, describing himself in messianic terms and claiming he was the reincarnation of figures like Christ and Buddha. He also claimed that his goal all along was communism, and in a twist on the famous dictum that religion is the opiate of the masses, that religion was merely his way of making Marxism more palatable. Hmm. By the 1970s, the People's Temple, now based in San Francisco, had gained significant political influence. Jones's fierce advocacy for the downtrodden earned him the admiration of left-wing icons like Angela Davis and Harvey Milk and the support of groups like the Black Panthers, a tragically misguided political affinity given that more than two-thirds of Jonestown's eventual victims were African-American. 
Oh, that blows. Yeah. But again, on the surface, th- it looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the People's Temple was, as David Talbot notes in uh, Salon, successful in part because it was politically useful. Jones could be counted on to deliver busloads of obedient, well-dressed disciples to demonstrations, campaign rallies, and political mm. precincts. There were already signs, however, of a That's sinister... That's a red flag. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there were already signs, however, of a sinister undercurrent to the people's temple. Followers were expected to devote themselves completely to the church's utopian project. They turned over their personal wealth, worked long hours of unpaid labor for the church, and often broke contact with their families. They were expected... So, when you say turned over their personal wealth, mm-hmm. that is not to be confused with tithing. Yeah. That's different. This is like, give me all your money. Mm-hmm. Tithing is like, give, give 10%. me some, give me whatever you can. It's yeah. supposed to be 10%, but it's mostly like whatever you're able to give. Yeah. This so, is give me all your money so that I control you mm-hmm. and you have to depend on me. And it's very different. <laughs> This is the most fucked up part, and I had never heard this. Um, They were expected to raise their children within the commune. As a show of commitment, People's Temple members were asked to sign false testimonials that they had molested their children, which the church kept for (gasps) potential blackmail. Oh, shit. Yeah. Not the worst thing I've heard of a cult doing, but still, that's fucked up. Yeah. So that they could take your kids away from you if you decided to leave. Yep. Not great. Again, nope. red flag for a church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's um, when you that that's when I'm sure a lot of people were like, okay, bye. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. All right. In his 1980 study of Jonestown, the writer Shiva Napal, younger brother of V.S. Napal, argued that the People's Temple mm-hmm, was at sure. heart. Yeah, totally heard of those people. <laughs> yep, <laughs> argued that the People's Temple was at heart a fundamentalist religious project, obsessed with sin and images of apocalyptic destruction, authoritarian in its innermost impulses, instinctively thinking in terms of the saved and the damned. The result. Oof. Nepal wrote, was neither racial justice nor socialism, but a messianic parody of both. Jones, who had long believed the U.S. was in danger of imminent nuclear holocaust, had been searching for a place where his church would be safe during an apocalyptic event. A magazine article... And we've arrived. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um... A magazine article alleging abuse in the People's Temple spurred Jones's desire to relocate. He chose Guyana, a former British colony in South America whose socialist regime was politically sympathetic. In 1977, the People's Temple moved its headquarters to a remote area of Guyanese wilderness. Here, Jones declared... Isolation! Yep. That's the red flag! (laughs) (laughs) Move away! Cut all ties! Give me all your money! Yep. Everyone marry me. No. <laughs> Here, Jones no, declared. No, 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 <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. It's okay. I took a drink. <laughs> Here, Jones declared, they could build a utopian society without government or media meddling. 
no, battling you can't <laughs> battling an oppressive tropical climate and limited resources they began to convert the dense jungle into a working agricultural commune soon known as jonestown the church delivered Jones's rambling monologues to Jonestown's inhabitants by megaphone as they worked. In the evenings, they attended mandatory propaganda classes. Jones's writ was enforced by armed guards called the Red Brigade. Jonestown had a... Your church has armed guards. <laughs> That's not fine. No. Um... And if you start listening to propaganda on mega speech speakers constantly while you're working, <laughs> another like in big the Hunger red Games. flag. Yeah, <laughs> another really big red flag. Um. So Jonestown had little reason to expect interference from Guyana, a cooperative republic whose government happily ignored signs of the cult's authoritarian and paranoid bent. Back in the U.S., however, parents of Jonestown inhabitants, concerned by the strange letters or lack of letters they received from their children, had been lobbying the government to investigate. After a family in the U.S. won custody, won a custody order for a child in Jonestown, paranoia escalated. The commune became yeah, an armed this is camp. Really fucked up. Yeah, the commune became. People were asking for help for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And our. Mm-hmm. The FBI always seems to wait so long. Yeah. The commune became an armed camp, ringed by volunteers with guns and machetes, threatening to fight outsiders to the death. During See, the... and then you've gotten to this point where now you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Because you'll die. Yeah. So, there were... Uh, it's my understanding that there were a lot of people that wanted to leave, but they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because they would be shot or, you know, threatened with a machete. Yep. And I don't think there was much way to communicate with the mainland. No, not really. Um, so. During the imaginary siege, Black Panthers Huey Newton and Angela Davis spoke to Jonestown inhabitants by radio patch to voice solidarity. Davis told Jonestown inhabitants that they were at the vanguard of revolution and right to resist what she called a profound conspiracy against them. Sometime during this period, Jonestown began drills called White Nights, in which inhabitants would practice committing mass suicide. Oh um, my god. Yep. At the behest of a concerned family of concerned family members in the U.S., the California congressman Leo Ryan organized a delegation of journalists and others to make a fact-finding mission to Jonestown. The delegation arrived at Jonestown on 17th of November, 1978, and received a civil audience from Jones, but the visit was hastily called short on the 18th after a member of the commune tried to stab Ryan. The delegation headed back to the airstrip, accompanied by a dozen Jonestown inhabitants who asked to leave the commune and escorted so brainwashed that they think anyone from the outside is out to get them yeah some of them are yeah it's ugh, god it's so dangerous yep <laughs> and um, then that yeah and that then is a big red flag to the reporter who's like um i feel like your goals have been lost <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So, the delegation headed back to the airstrip, accompanied by a dozen Jonestown inhabitants who had asked to leave the commune, and escorted by Jones's watchful deputies. The delegates never made it off the ground. Mm 
As they boarded the planes, their escorts drew guns and opened fire. They shot Ryan dead, combing his body with bullets to make certain, and killed four others, including two photographers who captured footage of the attack before dying. Wounded survivors ran or dragged themselves bleeding into the forest. Oh Um, my god, that's so terrible. Yeah. Um, One of Ryan's aides, Jackie uh, Spear, I guess her name is, survived five five gunshots and is now a congresswoman representing California's 14th district. Fuck yeah! Right? Um, Back at Jonestown, Jones announced that it was time to undertake the final white night. To quell disagreement, he told inhabitants that Congressman Ryan had already been murdered, sealing the commune's fate and making revolutionary suicide the only possible outcome. The people of Jonestown, some acceptant and serene, others probably coerced, queued to receive cups of cyanide punch and syringes. The children... Yeah, a lot of them did not know that it wasn't a drill. Yeah. The children, more than They've 300... Been practicing and practicing and practicing so much that... Yeah. Yeah. This was not... They didn't... I would bet a lot of money that a lot of them did not realize that it was real and not a drill. Yeah. Um, the children, more than 300, were poisoned first and can be heard crying and wailing on the commune's own audio tapes, later recovered by the FBI. When Guyanese troops reached Jonestown the next morning, they discovered an eerie, silent vista, frozen in time and littered with bodies. A tiny number of survivors, mainly people who had hidden during the poisoning, emerged. One elderly woman, who slept through the entire ordeal, awoke to discover <laughs> everyone dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> this poor woman just woke up and was like, the fuck? What did- like, actually, what did I miss, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! That's terrible! Yeah! <laughs> what that a terrible woman. way to wake up, but also very lucky. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Best yeah. time to be a sound sleeper. Yes. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> I never knew about that. <laughs> I didn't either. The um, luckiest woman on Earth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Saved by a nap. <laughs> oh, Lord. See, it pays to be sleepy. Yes. <laughs> That's because they were all incredibly sleep deprived, too, though. That's one of the ways that they keep it, that they keep a hold of you mm-hmm. in cults is they were making he was making them work around the clock on building this commune and clearing the jungle and farming and all kinds of stuff and then he was like feeding them just like sugar and junk food and shit uh-huh. so when you're sleep depra- deprived and filled with and malnourished you can't think straight yeah is the thing so that's how they keep you Yeah, it's that's part of how they keep you. It's just oh, ugh. It's, it's so despicable. And then in the meantime, he's fucking everyone and taking everyone's money and yep. Uh, Jones was found dead of an apparently self-inflicted gunshot. Well, he didn't even drink the fucking Kool Aid. He did not. Wow, what a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> One of the journalists attacked on the airstrip, Tim Reertman of the San Francisco Examiner, survived two bullet wounds and went on to write Raven, the untold story of the Reverend Jim Jones and his people, Ooh. still considered the definitive history of the Jones cult. 
Reertman has argued that it is impossible to separate Jonestown from its political and social context. The People's Temple was, as many communes, cults, churches, and social movements are, an alternative to the established social order, a nation unto itself, he wrote in Raven. Absolutely. If it had been any other time besides that time, I don't think it would have caught nearly the traction. I don't think it would have either. But because because he found something that united a lot of people and mixed it with enough truth, he was able to get a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. Because the majority of people wanted racial equality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. all in this whole utopian of like, let's all just live together and be in peace in the midst of all these civil rights vet rallies and all this violence and assassinations and just crazy hatred everywhere that Mm -hmm. that's so attractive something that's just like let's all be together and live in utopia and be peaceful and be tolerant is super seductive yeah and And used that and i've i've just got two more quotes and then i'm done um Mm-hmm. He said, the temple I knew was not populated by masochists and halfwits, so it followed that the members who gave years of labor, life savings, homes, children, and in some cases their own lives have been getting something in return. He recoiled, Reertman added, when outsiders took the attitude that they or their children would never be crazy or vulnerable enough to join such an organization. Such complacency is self-delusion. Mm-hmm. And, Ooh, I yeah. love that. I do too. (laughs) Yeah, so that is the story of the psychopath. Well summed up. I was really (laughs) convinced that you were going to have to talk for an hour and a half because this is so chock full. And we didn't even get into some of the violent stuff that was happening, but you did a great job. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I wanted it to be kind of short and sweet. And I just thought that that was really well put together. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good job. Thanks. Um, if you guys want more info, one of the best, um, I'm trying to think. I know that they did one on, and that's why we drink. I'm pretty sure it's their very first episode. Christine did Jonestown. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another one, but I can't think. I feel like it's prob. Uh, I want to say my favorite murder, but probably not. Um. I know that there's like a big four part one of it on last podcast on the left. I have not listened to it, but they're a deep dive podcast. So if you want a full deep dive into Jonestown, there's plenty of other podcasts. There's probably an entire series that's just dedicated to Jonestown yeah. that you can find that I haven't listened to because I just can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, excellent work. Way to sum it up. Thanks. Yeah. He was nuts. Yeah, um, I didn't realize but also how not. crazy he was. Very calculating. He was calculating, and then he got very paranoid in the last years of his life, just because like it, he had an unchecked mental disorder. You know, he was also on drugs constantly. Oh and, yeah, he's self medicating with sex and drugs. Yeah, and people who it's it's been proven, well proven, that people who gain absolute power are terrified of losing their power. Yeah, so you you spiral i mean it's always what ends up happening especially when you're using lies and then you can't remember your lies and then (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
And then everyone's in your bed and it's awesome. And then it's like, you know, it's just too much. It's yeah. too much. So. All right. Well. Oh. Ready for a game? I am. Let me pull up my card here. Okay. So this is our game by Drunk, Stoned, or Stupid called If You Had To. And I think it's my turn to go first. It is. So, um, if you had to, would you only use technology from the 18th century? <laughs> Start your steam engines. <laughs> or, or always make the wrong decision. Oh, that's upsetting. Um, I mean, I do that anyway. <laughs> not always. <laughs> that's not true. No, I'm. That's not true. I'm so kidding. <laughs> it feels I think like I would it sometimes. Pick the technology one. I think I picked mine. Oh, I pick mine. I can't. <laughs> oh God. I. You I'm, can't not have your phone. I can't not have my phone. I would be fine with books. Honestly, I think. Um, because I mean, there's still, you know, I'm pretty sure they had electricity. No, wait, 18th century. That would be the 1700s, right? Um, yes. Yeah. I can't not have. Well, I won't have any teeth. (laughs) I I just I can deal with being a dumb bitch. like you're gonna be basic yeah (laughs) that's funny i think i could do it i'm confident it's hypothetical i think i could do it so i've watched a lot of outlander all right Mm -hmm. um (laughs) thank you guys so so much for listening um please send your stories to talkcrooked at gmail.com uh we hope you're being very very safe um Please remember that wearing a mask is not just for you. It's for others. It's a sign of respect. Like, just do it. And please, for the love of God, let's support the Black Lives Matter movement in the best way we possibly can. I hope everyone voted. And we hopefully got that turtle head out of of the Senate. He won the GOP primary. Time will tell. He won what? He won the GOP primary. I don't know what that means. So basically, this was just, this is like the pre-vote. This is where you get rid of all the other people and just kind of like get it down to two nominees. He won for the Republican Party. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me either. we knew that would happen. But. We knew that would happen. Yeah. But everybody needs to show up and vote. We've got... Yeah, we've got to get, I don't care, we've got to get that dude out of office. He's yeah. a dinosaur, and all he does is stop progress. So, yeah, even if you're a Republican, don't fucking vote for this guy. He's mm-hmm. stopping everything. <laughs> he is the worst. So, oh, goodness. Anyway, so um, please, please, please make sure you vote in November, and hopefully everyone voted that could um, in this this last primary so um also just want to let you guys know that we are in the process of recording ahead of time a lot mm-hmm. so if we aren't as up to date on any current and current events or things like that just bear with us and know that we have recorded a bunch ahead of time because i am now in my third trimester and we have <laughs> to get some in the bank for when i give birth so yes. <laughs> just know don't be mad 
And um, <laughs> so if we're not touching on things in in real time anymore, that's why. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll so, we'll try uh, we on social guys. media if we. Are. Yeah, we'll do our best. Yeah, we'll try. But um, we love you guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.